Hi, I'm Ben, your host for the next hour, and you're listening to a Virgin Startup podcast produced with the support of our friends at Virgin Money. The podcasts are recordings of our free meetups, which take place every month. Check out virginstartup.org forward slash events to sign up to the next one. This week, our conversation was all about purpose and building better businesses. As we celebrate Virgin Startups signing up to the Better Business Act, we hosted Chris Turner from B Corp, Victoria Stoyanova from the Institute of Belonging, and Dharma Sathyanathan from Bethnal Green Ventures. It's time business became part of the solution, not the problem. And in this episode, we find out how we can all play our part to create a more sustainable and equal world. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our next Virgin Startup Meet. My name is Ben Keen, and I'll be hosting uh, the session tonight. We have a great panel who I'll introduce shortly. Um, but for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, Virgin Startup is a not-for-profit organization funded by the Virgin Group, and we exist to help founders in the UK start and scale early-stage businesses. And we do this in lots of different ways, from providing business advice and access to the startup loan funding scheme, to running one of the lar- UK's largest entrepreneurial mentoring programs. There are literally hundreds of mentors supporting startups in our community. Um, and we also run accelerator programs and masterclasses. And throughout lockdown and covid We've accelerated our work in this space. There's a lot going on at Virgin Startup these days. Um, But tonight is all about providing inspiration, some advice and guidance, as well as connections between all of you. So the first half of the session, we'll be chatting with our panel, taking your questions, and then we'll break out into into two rooms where you can join on video, share what you're working on, and, and chat with each other and ask more questions of the Virgin Startup team or those of us on the panel that are still there, I will be there. Um, so feel free to use the Q&A um, and the chat for questions. Do what loads of you are doing already and drop in what you're working on. Uh, feel free to promote your work um, as well as support each other. Um, and before we kick off, I also wanted to thank uh, Virgin Money. So we're a partner with Virgin Money um, who've been able to make these meetup events free to attend, and they're supporting thousands of early stage founders with support they need to start and scale businesses. So if you're looking at ways to explore your finances and get going, Virgin Money are a great team to call. And it's lovely to see lots of them on the call tonight. Welcome, everybody. So as you can see, I'm here with Holly Branson, who's the Chief Purpose and Vision Officer at Virgin. That's a hell of a title for a job. Welcome, Holly. And also Chris Turner, who is uh, Chief Exec at B Labs, which is basically in the B Corp music, uh, movement in the UK, and also driving this amazing Better Business um, Act campaign, which we're going to hear about shortly. Um, so welcome to both of you. And Holly, I know you're short of time, so I want to dive straight in and ask you about uh, the Better Business Act. This is something you've recently signed, and, and I'm curious to hear about why you've done that and why it matters to you. Uh, yeah, so hi, everybody. Um, yeah, we did. We signed the Better Business Act about a month ago, and it was something that made me feel so proud that our company did it. Um, at Virgin, our mission is to change business for good. And my main goal as Chief Purpose and Vision Officer is to just make sure that each and every one of our companies um, are putting people and purpose at the heart of everything that we do. And when I read about the Better Business Act, I just knew that we had to get involved because that's exactly what their mission is as well. 
And they want um, all the UK companies to have a legal obligation to not just make money for their shareholders, which is what the law requires at the moment, but to consider every single stakeholder in all the decisions that are being made. Um, and I personally just think that small but really crucial change in the law will make a really big difference in the UK. And it will just ensure that all businesses in the UK do the right thing for their people, the communities that they're serving, our wonderful planet. And most importantly, they won't be able to pursue profit at the expense of all of those. Um, and so I love this campaign. I think it's brilliant. I love the fact that it combines collaboration with legislative change. And also they give really practical action about what we can do. And so I'm super happy to be here tonight with you guys. Um, and I'm really excited to ask Chris a few more questions. Um, go for so, it, go for it. Great, um, so nice to see you again, Chris. Um, so how did the Better Business Act come about? Hi, Holly. Yeah, lovely to see you again as well. And um, looking at you, you and Ben have both have such better lighting than I do. I'm feeling a, it, like I'm sitting in the gloom. Obviously, the, the clock change has thrown me off here. Um, and, and it's dark. It's pitch black. But um, yeah, the, so the Better Business Act, exactly as you say, it, it's a um, it, we're on a mission, actually, to change the way that every single business in the country operates, you know, or rather the sort of governing principles right, that, that every single uh, business in the country sort of um, is aligned to. Um, so it's it's a big goal with, you know, big ambitions here. But ultimately, we're doing that because I guess there's a sort of, you know, a, a really exciting, positive way of looking at this is a, and, and a sort of gloomy way of looking at this. And seeing as I'm sitting in the dark, I'll sit, start with the gloomy one, um, which is that we face these huge challenges, enormous challenges. I've just got back from COP in Glasgow. Um, clearly, the climate emergency is, is top of everyone's mind right now. And it's absolutely huge challenge and a systemic challenge. Um, and, and that's, you know, paired up with we know there's a bit of a social emergency, a, a crisis of, of inequality as well. And that actually, in many cases, business is contributing to that inequality and making it worse. So huge crises that really bring us all, or, or rather we all share. Um, but on the positive side, we also know that business is such an incredibly, you know, everyone on this, everyone on this call right, is a business person, is, is in their own way experimenting with and building businesses which are solving problems. And they can be all kinds of problems. Um, you know, they make, in, in, most, in, in many cases, they're business problems. But imagine if actually that problem-solving potential was harnessed towards solving those big challenges and that ultimately every business became a force for good. Um, and, and that really is, is the kind of uh, the mission at the heart of, of the Better Business Act. So with this sort of recognition that actually um, in tackling these huge, complex, systemic issues, what we actually need is, is systems change when it comes to a consistent basis on which businesses are operating and benefiting all of us. The Better Business Act is designed to be that kind of systems level intervention so that we make this little change that you described to the Companies Act, um, which says that every business needs to align the interests of shareholders with wider society and the environment. And you make that little change that, that, that essentially um, articulates in a way that's never been done before um, the contract that we all share 
with business and that business shares with government. And if you make that change, what you do is you ensure that every business is on a level playing field, really. So businesses which choose to prioritize, you know, or, or rather advance the interests of all these stakeholders aren't at a disadvantage compared to businesses which are ruthless in pursuing short-term profit, for example. You know, you create that level playing field and you also, um, as well as capitalizing all that fantastic innovation towards solving problems, you also take away a hiding place. You know, for businesses that want to do things which damage the environment, for example, they can't hide behind the law anymore, you know, and they can't say, well, the law says we have to prioritize shareholders, so, so it's what we have to do. And you remove that as an option. So all around, really, we're just, you know, we want to make a really strong signal for the amazing power that business has, and, and we want to ensure that every single business is at its best and contributing towards these solutions. And what's amazing to see is that so many more businesses um, are inherently just placing purpose at the heart of everything they do. Then they're not waiting for that legal change to happen. And I know that there's probably so many founders on this on this call today who are thinking about purpose, embedding it into their mission statements, business plans, and sort of really thinking about purpose at the very start of the journey. Um, and I know that is so much easier when it's been done from the very beginning than when you're trying to change a big corporation that never thought about it before. Um, what do you think are the uh, biggest ways in which business can benefit by looking at purpose instead of just profit? And how will signing up to the Better Business Act achieve this? Yeah, that's yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's great to see more and more businesses, you know, showing, you know, showing leading the way on, on this. And clearly that's being driven by just the way the world is, you know, the way the world is going. One of the things that we're saying quite a lot, actually, when we're campaigning on the Better Business Act is that actually for most businesses, you know, you look at sort of, you know, startups and, you know, the vast majority of SMEs, actually, this is a case of the law catching up with where business culture is already going. Really, we're kind of leaving, you know, we're leaving the law behind. Um, and so the law needs to catch up and needs to reflect what business people and, and particularly founders recognize as, as, as what needs to be done now. So we, this is shifting. Um, I think the I think the really one of the really exciting things about the Better Business Act is that it, it is building on a really strong kind of um, base of evidence that this is an incredibly um, uh, an incredibly powerful way of building a business is to advance both both profit and purpose, if you like, or rather, or, or to consider all stakeholders. So, we we designed the um, legislation. We designed the amendment um, inspired by um, optional versions of this legislation, which exist in lots of different countries around the world. Not in the UK, but they lots of states of the US, Italy, Colombia, all over the place, and there are around the world over 10,000 businesses which have chosen the, the, this, kind of, this kind of corporate form. And so, you, you, first of all, you can take from that, right, the fact that all these businesses are choosing to change their, their legal, legal articles, or sorry, actually in the UK, they change their articles, so we've got that evidence base as well. So all, all around the world, you've got businesses choosing to change their form of incorporation, adopt different legal frameworks, change their articles, you know, find different ways of kind of embedding these principles and so i mean the, the truth of the matter is we're, we're beyond we're beyond the point now where it, can, it should be optional right it should be the default for every business which is what a better business act is about but the fact that so many businesses are choosing to do it and have been choosing to do it is an incredible validation of this being an amazing way of 
of kind of showing leadership as a business. Going beyond that, though, we've done research. So I say we, my other job is, is, um, is, is growing the B Corp movement here in the UK. And we've got over 500 B Corps in the UK now. We did a big piece of research comparing B Corp SMEs to um, the, the, the wider kind of population of SMEs in the country. And we, we demonstrated that across every single one of the 10 um, indicators we measured, whether it's attracting and retaining great talent, whether it's attracting investment, whether it's investing in research and innovation, um, every single one of them, B Corps, so businesses which had embedded this um, type of, type of um, operating, outperformed other businesses. So it's just it's just a great way of running a business it's more resilient you plan for the long term you know you're you're aligned with with the people who want to work for you you're aligned with your customers it's a no-brainer and what's great with that piece of research is a lot of people think it's an either or solution like you either go for profit or you go for purpose and you've got to um you've got to decrease your profit because of one or the other and and that's lovely to hear. And, and we all know that, that research is, is getting out to people, but it's making sure that we all use our networks to push that far and wide. I think that that is wonderful. And do you think, do you think um, like the last two years, they've been really tough for lots of people, especially many, many businesses. Um, what would you say that there is an inherent reason that we need to embed um, purpose and have this change in law to make sure people don't have a... Uh, sort of a, a wrong incentive to do the wrong thing in really difficult times. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah, it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Thinking about you know the last the last sort of couple of years and and the sort of the way that it's shaping um, shaping the way that people are are building building businesses. I think I think the the first thing is that um, you know the 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 pandemic certainly was something of a um, it was it. it in many ways, I suppose it provided a bit of a lens through which people could have actually had a really tangible way of looking at how businesses responded to the pandemic and seeing those which um, had a very clear sort of alignment with, you know, community and society and responded in a way that kind of reflected that. So I think what it has done really is, if anything, heighten those expectations that I was talking about earlier, you know, and sort of, I suppose, um, deepen the need for businesses to be very kind of credible and authentic and kind of committing to a wider set of stakeholders. Um, because when crisis hits, if it's just sort of, you know, if it's just kind of PR or if it's just talk, then it's very quickly going to become apparent. So, so I think it's certainly sort of, I think the last few years, tough times, I think they've sort of made the need for business, certainly deepened the crises that we all face and made the need for business to be at its best and solving these crises. But it's also, I think, made us more smart, smarter and more demanding when it comes to businesses really walking the talk on this stuff. And again, that's where the Better Business Act can play a really important role in making sure that legally businesses have to walk the talk on it. Great. Well, thanks so much for chatting to me, Chris. It's always lovely talking and I, I love what you do. How many, how many companies have you got signed up now? That is a good question. You're doing my job for me here, Holly. I should have said that earlier on, shouldn't I? We, we've got over 800 signed up now. So, yeah, we're, we're aiming. I, didn't know, I, I was going to say we're aiming for the thousand, but I mean, my team will tell me off if I say we want to do that by a certain time. So I'm not going to set a date. 
I'll set a date and then they have to make it happen. Um, yeah, I think we were on, you were on about um, 500 when we first started talking. Uh, so that's amazing. In just a few months, you've increased by so many. So thank you so much for chatting to me. And, and then before I leave, I've got one question for you, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, I, I hear that you've started a business, which is really exciting, um, called Raise, uh, very first funding platform for climate startups. Like, Congratulations. I don't know how you find the time, but that is absolutely brilliant. And I, I want to hear more. Um, what impact are you hoping for it to have? What's it going to do? And how do you think it's going to um, build better business? Yeah, thanks, Holly. Well, I was I was with Chris last week in Glasgow, and, and it's painfully obvious that, you know, we can't negotiate with the science and the crisis that we're in. Um, and as much as we're all pushing for in our activist ways through business and out on the streets and online to try and uh, get this good political deals happening you know it's probably net not going to be what we what the world needs and those who are suffering and so this is why the better business act and and all these other impact talks become even more important and so building on that and this is something i've been working in space been working in for a long time um, i'm launching with a brilliant uh, australian team of founders a this new climate startup funding platform so if you are thinking of building a business that's trying to solve a problem related to the climate or nature crisis so we're talking to seaweed farms to carbon capture technology to refill products to education to regenerative packaging you know this touches every aspect of life um, and it's going to be a way where investors can move their money from maybe uh, an area where they're not having quite such a positive impact on climate and they can put it into small businesses where the opportunities as we're just discussing are absolutely huge and so that's what we're, we're doing at raise we've got our legals in place we've got this fantastic new uh, structure which gives which de-risks the investment it gives the founders more control it gives investors more flexibility and a better chance of a return so we're really excited about it it's now live in australia and the uk uh, so if you're a startup uh, founder who's looking to build in this space and, and so many of us should be considering that now um, then jump on raise it's raise with two a's as if you're down under so it's raise.co um, and uh, we'd, we'd love to help you raise money or invest in some of the most exciting businesses of tomorrow so raise.co.uk or just just .co, .co. raise.co with two o's .co okay great oh that's so exciting well done um lovely to have done something so productive after these last horrible two years so um really well done to both of you and it's been lovely to talk to you and have a really good rest of your event everyone thanks for joining us holly see you again soon Brilliant. So I'm now going to um, bring on our next two panellists. And thanks, everybody, from around the world, by the way. We've got a big global audience in tonight, which is brilliant. Um, keep sharing. Keep keep dropping in your projects and your startups and asking any questions. Um, so I'm now going to bring onto stage uh, Dharma and Victoria, who are experts uh, in this world. Hi, Dharma. Welcome. That's Hi. it. Victoria's here as well. Seamless. <laughs> Seamless. Um, so welcome to the stage. I thought we'd kick off um, our conversation. Uh, Chris, we've already had an intro from you, but we're, com we're coming back with lots more questions. Um, but a quick introduction of how you fit into this, this space that we're, we're talking about. You know, the Better Business Act is a very new campaign, but you have both, and Chris as well, been working in this in this arena of, of helping build businesses that are trying to solve serious problems in the world for a long time. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about how your own journey, how you got into it. And also a shout out to an impact startup uh, that you are really excited about at the moment. So Dharma, coming to you first, we, we go, take us back a little bit. Um, 
Great. Yeah. Um, I don't know how far ago I should take you back into because we're actually, um, so I work at Bethel Green Ventures, which is an early stage tech for good VC, a lot of convoluted words, but essentially it means that we back founders at the very early stages. So ideation, pre-product, pre-revenue, um, who are using technology to tackle the world's pressing social and environmental challenges at scale. Um, and we're actually one of the first members of the UK B Corp community. So we certified yes. to becoming a B Corp back in 2015 um, and joined the Better Business Act as soon as it came out. Um, we're one of the first signatories to it as well. And it's amazing to sort of see the progress over the last couple of months, even just in terms of how many more businesses from all, literally all walks of life and industries are signing up to it as well, which really signals to us that more people are actually aware that you can do, bro do both profit and impact and you don't have to do it at the expense of the planet, um, which is really amazing. Um, I should also say, by way of introduction, my name is Dama. I is actually Damien Misatyanathan, but Dama is absolutely fine because it's not the entire alphabet. Um, <laughs> my pronouns are she, her, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased to be here. And if I have to choose one particular startup, um, a very impactful startup as well, it, and apologies for this, but it's one of the startups that we've invested in back in 2012, but just seeing the sort of the evolution and the impact they've had on, on people and the planet as well has been absolutely fantastic. So the company in question is Fairphone, which is also a B Corp um, based out of Amsterdam. And they have built a ethical modular smartphone. So really trying to clean up the entire supply chain from where we source the raw materials that go into phones um, to actually building and making sure that the phones are built in factories where people don't commit suicide or um, are allowed to unionize and campaign for decent working conditions, but also tackle the end, um, end spectrum as well of the whole life cycle of a product to actually ensure that less electronic waste is going to landfill. And um, if, if you want to check them out, I highly recommend reading their impact report, which you have to do as a B Corp as well um, on an annual basis. But um, they have broad challenges to the industry as well, which is amazing to see, but also become a profitable business um, and have made the mark that actually shows you can do both impact, blend profit and purpose and make a meaningful contribution to society. It's a brilliant example, Dharma, and and I followed Fairphone. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't invest in them. I might, I might, you guys, but uh, I followed them for a while. And what's it's probably one of the hardest things to to, to industries to disrupt, right? And yet here they are, a decade in, and they really are like this is a brand that's that's going to change the world of communication and certainly hardware. And um, by the way, if anyone's looking at Fairphones, look at uh, Honest Mobile, which is a new startup in the UK, which is providing. A fairer way to um, to invest your phone bills, basically into into social and environmental projects, and they pair with Fairphone. So, good start. Thanks, Dama. Victoria, and welcome. And also B Corp. Yes, and also B Corp. He's going to keep interrupting and say that all night. And also B Corp. Victoria, welcome to the Virgin Startup Stage. Ooh. You are uh, so many things <laughs> to so many people, but tell us a little bit about how your journey has, has brought you here into the world of impact and business. 
For sure. So lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I've worn many different hats over the years from advertising world to startup life to big tech and round again. <laughs> so I've done a lot of different things. Um, recently left a company now known as Meta. and uh, Which we're not in tonight, are we? We're not in the verse of Meta. <laughs> not yet. And I guess there's been a red thread around. I I am a systems thinker and I'm a mm. systems builder. And there is something about how can we look at questions differently from bringing it everyone else who cares about similar topics or impact questions. Um, so the whole community question for me comes from that angle. It's around what happens if we collaborate better with people who are in similar fields. So my work has always been around ecosystems and tying them closer together. And there's still so much to do in this uh, in the space. So yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in support systems at scale and mental health questions. I feel like we, we need to create space for that to improve and everyone's and everyone's company so that we are have more space to think about the big questions. I think as a society, we're still rushing through a lot of very big decisions that have very big impacts. So I'm just excited to con keep connecting dots. And um, on the on the dot connections and, and also that super important point of how do we think long term uh, whilst we're facing urgent, you know, the crisis is that we've been talking about, you know, you're working on, you've just released a new podcast in this space. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, we just did a collaboration with Headspace and a long time project. Uh, it's all about thinking about what does long time mean, how to be better ancestors um, and getting people to actually embody that and think about it um, as they take action. So we've released a series of tools that people can use with their friends, communities, companies. And we're really trying to push the conversation because um, we're all in it. Whether we want to think about it or not, we're all going to be affected by this and the generations ahead. So yeah, that's been a super lovely project to work on. Um, we've just released episode one. It's called The Long Time Academy. And, Amazing. Uh, Drop that link in the chat when you get a chance, Victoria. And you never regret exploring those questions, trust me, especially when it's with people like yourself. Um, and do you have a shout out to to an impact startup other than the podcast that you're building that you'd like to mention? I mean, it's probably in that space. Again, I love Sanctus. I've been obsessed with them since day one and just lovely, lovely way of building in public and really listening to the community and what people need. So that would be my my shout out just great to see them grow throughout the years well and for those that have never come across sanctus what are they what do they do uh they're a mental health community that um help organizations and individuals to create time for mental health yeah and i remember them starting and they they funded their first version of their mental health uh workshops which they offer for free and they were building community by selling uh basically merchandise with the brand on it and i was like you wouldn't think a mental health company would kick off that way but they did and they and they've done so much great stuff since um chris have you got tell us a little bit more about b corp for people that don't know like um what what is what is a b corp and uh, how does it fit in with what we're talking about tonight Thanks, Ben. Um, and I just want to say hi uh, to Dharma. We used to um, work in the same office. It's lovely to see you. It's been too long. Um, and Victoria, lovely to be here with you as well. Um, 
Uh, yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm sure lots of people um, watching know about B Corp, so I'll be very brief. But um, the B Corp community, or, or rather the B Corp movement, is um, now over 4,000 businesses strong um, around the world. So um, certified B Corps um, are businesses which essentially do two things. They, on the one hand, they um, do a very rigorous assessment. Um, so um, it's uh, it's a sort of self-assessment um, which looks into or asks questions about um, really most areas of their business, uh, ranging from their, their governance, um, their workers, customers, community, um, and environment. And, and they will do this self-assessment and they will accumulate points um, as they do that. When they reach 80 points, they're eligible to submit that assessment. Um, and we then do an independent verification of their assessment. Um, if that's successful and they have a verified score of over 80 points, they then need to do the second thing, which is that they need to amend their articles of association. And this is what we call the mission lock. So essentially, it's a sort of legal, you know, binding commitment to people, planet and profit. So that you can call it what you like, triple bottom line, stakeholder governance. Um, but it essentially locks that in into in the UK, it's the governing articles of the business. Um, in other countries, it might be a separate legal form. It sort of depends where you are and which jurisdiction. So those two things coming together make a certified B Corp. And as I say, over 4,000 around the world, Bethel Green Ventures is one of over um, 500 in the UK. Um, so growing really fast. The UK community is growing faster than any other in the world right now, which is fantastic. Um, and our mission, similar to the BBA, but obviously, you know, the BBA is a is a policy campaign. You know, we're trying to change the law for all businesses. Our mission um, with the B Corp movement is, again, to prove that business can be a force for good, but really to do so by finding those businesses who are going to be the leaders you know, within that movement, within that shift to a better economy, a better way of doing business. And so businesses like Bethel Green Ventures and, and the other um, B Corps in our community are leading the way. They're inspiring others. Their people are role models, you know. So that we, our work essentially is really just, um, you know, championing um, what B Corps do so that we inspire more businesses to, to do likewise. And the amazing thing about the B Corp community now is it's, it's everything from, you know, Bethnal Green Ventures um, and Brugada through to Body Shop. And, you know, there, there's, there's, there's the full range of the business kind of businesses that you have in the world. Um, and we'll talk about maybe in a little bit about how as startups and early stage businesses, we can make, you know, build partnerships with bigger businesses that are already part of those kind of communities. Um, do, you have, do you have one you want to give a shout out now to, Chris? So many. It's like what, your favorite child, isn't it? Um, I, do you know what? The one I'm going to mention is um, sort of as we were, as soon as we were allowed to all get together again, um, you know, after, after sort of COVID stuff, um, we did a team day um, with a business in um, based in Clavin called Growing Underground, which do sort of vertical farms. Um, and they do, they do, they've got one in the sort of abandoned um, train tunnels train tunnels slash um bomb shelters um from the second world war under clapham common and um just the most amazing business you know innovative um you know solving a challenge which is really um top of mind right now even though food wasn't on the agenda at cop 
um, despite being um, one of the sort of biggest challenges we need to solve. Um, so yeah, great, great crew um, looked after as well and sent us away with boxes of cress. So what more can you ask for? What more can you ask for? And I'm going to throw one more in the mix who I spent time with in Glasgow. Uh, they're called Aim High, and they are a sort of climate and nature education startup. They've kind of exploded out of the blocks in the last year, and they're a brilliant team of sort of activists turned entrepreneurs. Uh, and last week from Glasgow, they ran a live class uh, to over 5,000 schools, and they're working with businesses. And they've just got this great way of introducing the science and the emotions, basically the head and the heart of, of exploring the climate crisis in, in workshops and bringing people together. So they are one to watch. They're called Aim High. Um, and on the, on the emotions of all of it, I wanted to just take a moment with the three of you. This is the sort of thing that Victoria would definitely do if she was in my shoes tonight. Uh, take a moment and just ask about how you're feeling. And, and this is a question to everyone who's watching as well. Um, how are you feeling in this moment? We've got the noise of Glasgow and COP26, which here in the UK we're feeling very strongly, and I'm sure many of you are around the world. We've got the unprecedented social crises, which we touched on earlier with Holly. We're all trying to get our ideas out into the world, um, and even if we're far down the line and leading campaigns or great you know, impact finance communities like Bethnal Green, it's still it's still tough. So how are you feeling, uh, honestly? Um, and um, what how are you navigating through this particular moment? Dharma, I'll come to you with that that difficult uh, sort of direct question first. Um, okay, so physically, I have to say I'm feeling very frazzled as well because I've got the perpetual cold that's not COVID apparently. Um, so. Mm, um, also, apologies if I come across really frazzled. That's because of that. Um, but mentally, poof, I think sort of during the summer as well, and um, I, did, I did a masterclass um, for Diversity VC on the sort of the world of impact investing and generally about how we can be more purposeful about using capital to drive positive outcomes in the world as well and when i wrote i wrote a longer piece about this as well just to share more knowledge in the community and provide people with more tools and resources to start building impact for businesses as well but at that particular point i was i was really jaded by the state of the world uh, also not just as a result of covid and the global health and economic crisis that came of it but Actually, the world is burning. People are pushed into massive extreme poverty. Um, and we see time and time again that uh, sort of the instigators and the people who are continuously profiting from damage to the world are just continuing on um, without any repercussions. So at that point, I was quite mad. And, mm. um, but what really, what really helped overcome this as well is just being able to connect to so opportunities like this um, and bringing communities together is just super, super meaningful in a time when most people are also isolating at home or just stuck at home or working from home or, you know. Um, so really grateful of the chances for more serendipity and for more connections. And that's that's been super, super helpful. I'm sorry to hear you're still struggling with the, with the cold, but you're glowing from where I'm sitting, Dharma. Victoria, how, how are you? Where are you at in this, in this moment? Um, I guess there is a sense of urgency that has been there for a while, but now it feels like an imminent urgency. And um, I feel 
yeah, excited by what is, you know, at our doorstep, but also um, terrified because we don't have that much time. So, yeah, I, I feel um, it, it's it's a weird it's a weird feeling. I just um, think if if anyone is wondering like, oh, what am I like? Am I making a difference? Am I moving the needle? It, the, the answer is yes. Like everybody can be moving the needle and choosing what they move the needle for. So the whole thing of uh, the great resignation really resonated with me. And I was like, oh, I'm actually part of this without even, you know, it's not like you plan this. But there's something about we can ask for more and we can ask for better businesses and, um, you know, better ways to bring people together and take decisions and, and do business. So I'm, I think we're heading in, in a great direction and I'm, I'm excited for it. And and when you feel that that fear and anxiety, Victoria, I mean, you're an amazing, you bring people together, you always have done and created magic between people. Um, is that your sort of default action? You just like, how can I gather some people or who can I join? Is that how you pull yourself out of a, uh, that, that angst? Um, yes. And uh, there's been a lot of development in kind of going inwards and kind of, you know, learning to to kind of meditate and do things on your own so it's kind of twofold I guess one is uh, meditating and the other one is like making space by meditating and then understanding how to use your energy wisely by yes bringing people together and the whole thing with communities as ecosystems is that the reach is enormous so if you get the right people in then you are in the right um in the right pockets and you can do the right influence so I'm, I'm really yeah community is always always the answer <laughs> And Chris, what about yourself? Um, yeah, um, I am. I'm not sure I should have gone last. I don't know if this is a great note to leave it on. I'm exhausted. Um, uh, I, I, similar to Dharma, I've, been, I've had the cold, um, and um, I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm sort of on the way out of that. But um, yeah, also, yeah, back back from COP, which I think is. Um, I think it's draining because it's hectic because there's lots going on, but I think it's also draining because it's a lot of talking. Um, and I think I was, um, you know, I think the probably what I should be able to say is that I was drained, you know, I was maybe drained by the talking and energy energized by the action, you know, the action on the streets and, you know, the people who are out there sort of driving um, home the message of urgency I'm not sure they were quite in balance. I'm not sure that the action was enough to, to you know, boost me after the, the, the talking. Um, and so I think, um, you know, that, yeah, I think I've come away tired. Um, but I do think that, um, I do think that, that the sort of, you know, back in my kind of natural habitat, I suppose, you know, talking to, talking to pe- people and businesses trying to do, trying to do good and coming up with new ways of doing that is going to restore those energy levels because it normally does. And I'm back out tomorrow, you know, doing sort of events in in person again, which is exciting and, and with businesses and people who are taking action and doing things and creating things. So ultimately that's what's going to fix this. Um, and it's the, you know, it's adding as much of that as possible out, which is going to change the system, you know, with, with things like the BBA as well. So um yeah, it's a it's a it's a tired evening, but um, let's hope it's uh, the uh, the the night before um, 
you know, I start recharging. Well, we're going to re- I'm going to do our best to recharge you now, Chris. Um, so let's get to the action. Um, with lots of people here sharing all these brilliant projects and businesses, um, but if you, if the three of you were, we today, we, tonight, we were going right. We've got the, the kindling of an idea for a startup. Um, we want to make sure it has a really positive impact and is profitable. Where do you start? And I know there's lots of variables there, um, but Dharma, like jump in. Like if you like, how do you design an impact model? Surely that's going to take a long time. Do you, you know what, do you, what what business model or finance model is best for us like what what do you, what's the best way to start i mean the best way to start is just testing it with people and just validating your ideas validating your validating the willingness to pay for some for a product or service so it doesn't you don't yet have to come up with your impact model or your business your impact alignment because that mm-hmm. can that will come naturally if it's embedded into your business model and into your product and service. Um, that's at least also something that we tell early stage founders when they come through our doors as well, is that we will help you build your impact measurement and impact management um, processes into place as well, but um, not not to get distracted by um by the commitment of actually trying to figure out how to do that from scratch, because that's also with anything in startup land, it will come as you grow and as you scale. Um, But there are some really meaningful um, methodologies that people can look up, um, which is sort of trying to figure out where your alignment is with the sustainable development goals, for example, especially if you're if you're tackling or accelerating progress towards any of those. And we definitely need to do that because no country is on track and actually achieving them um, by 2030. So uh, there's a definite need to plug the SDGs. Um, there's different sort of ways of actually building out your theory of change. And Nesta has a um, DIY toolkit available where all of the resources are freely available for you to start out of actually what is the theory of change that you want to embed into your business. Um, and where people can go for funding, there is if you're based in the UK as well, um, Oftentimes, founders will hear that you might be too early or you're not at the right stage, especially if you're going down the VC route as well, looking for venture capitalist money. Um, at the moment, applications are open for the I- Ideas and Pioneers Fund with the Paul Hamlin Foundation, which is £15,000 to literally just test your ideas if it has, if you're trying to drive positive outcomes in the world. Um, and applications for those close in five days. Um, so it's definitely worthwhile just applying to getting getting some funding to really just go out and be able to test and prototype your ideas as well. And then when you get to a stage, you can apply to B2B. Um, we have, we're going to be opening our applications for the next cohort on the 24th of November. So backing early stage founders through our um, 12-week program, but also providing follow-on investment opportunities. And there's loads and loads of resources out there, but the easiest thing is to just start one step at a time. Yeah, great advice. And what I love about that, those tips around applying for various funds or incubators or accelerators is by even even if you're not sure of your model, where it's going, the questions you get asked will prompt you to think of them. Um, I remember doing it as an exercise in a workshop, getting everyone to fill out a Kickstarter campaign page, even though they weren't planning a crowdfund because they'd be like, oh, how? what's your fail-safe plan if you can't get the supply chain set up in time? So yeah, if, you're, if you've got a, gem, a sort of a little idea 
um, just start applying for stuff. Those recommendations for Dharma started. Victoria, what would you add in terms of like how the art of the start? I would add, um, Dharma, adding to your talking to a lot of people, I would add talking to a lot of people in that sector. I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from other people's mistakes that we don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel. So I would go to as many, um, you know, events, meetups, one-on-ones, asking people for, for advice for just where they're at and where they see momentum. I think it's really important in the beginning because a lot of times these things happen while following a certain momentum. So that's how you can also secure some of your first partnerships or, you know, hires. So really being out there um, and using all the wisdom that is already around you, just start where you are. Yeah, it's great advice. And my, the way I try and do that, and it's it, it's not hard to do it. It's, it is hard to do it, but I keep on top of it is every day have a call book with someone without like, even if there's no sort of like clear identity sort of agenda. So I'm like, here's someone who's kind of curious about what we're doing. Start a conversation. When you're working at home alone, it's it's the thing that really helps me uh, keep energized and, and build connections. Chris, in the B Corp community, there are so many different impact models, but I wonder if you could give us an example or, or share a little bit around trends or where you see, see people succeeding with them. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I mean, I think the um, I, it's interesting. I, I mean, I won't sort of um, I won't go into my life story, but I used to I used to work in I used to work in in doing all sorts of random things. But I've 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 run startups in the past, and I also used to work in international development. And I also used to um, well, when I worked in international development, I worked with lots of social enterprises. So there's, there's this kind of spectrum of sort of businesses that do good. And I think, um, you know, obviously with, with sort of social enterprises, they're very often businesses which are designed around an impact model, right? Solving a specific problem or, a you know, a specific challenge. And I think one thing that I would, you know, the reason why I was excited to sort of move from that world to to B Corp is that with the B Corp movement, we have a very clear sort of um, perspective that um, any business can be a force for good, right? So it's not sort of that impact model, as you said, Ben, you know, it doesn't have to be a sort of, you know, find a, you know, find the one sort of pressure point, one pain point, you know, that, that, you know, you're going to solve, which is going to make X number of people's lives better, and uh, you know, actually, uh, a business which is a business which is rooted in in place in community, which is providing great meaningful work, which is you know fulfilling and and providing needed services or products, is absolutely you know a force for good. Um, and so, I just want to sort of say that because I think it's you know it's not as if you know it's not as if you need to invent something new to to solve some really kind of knotty challenge. Um, so with that in mind, I think and, uh, one of the great things about um, about the the B well the B Corp movement, I suppose, is that actually the 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 tool which underpins it is totally free, right? You can go to the B Impact Assessment, you go to the our website, and go to the B Impact Assessment, and all of those things I described earlier—that kind of rigorous assessment that looks at everybody a business—you can just do that. You can just log on now, and you could just start, you know, playing around with it. And what that will do ultimately is is provide you with literally hundreds of ways of 
ensuring that your business or the business you're imagining will have a positive impact um, just by just by being and doing in the right way. Um, of course, you then layer on top of that anything you want, you know, and I think that's the joy of business in many ways is that it's a creative exercise, isn't it? And all the things you, you know, you guys have been saying, Dharma and, and Victoria, about sort of meeting and connecting. And, you know, that's all about sort of the the creative elements of building a business and growing. And, and that's that's exciting. Um, but I think the um, <laughs> when I say it this way, it sounds quite boring. But those solid foundations of kind of like, are the basics there and are they good? You know, that's kind of, I think, really, um, really important. And I would also say that from my days of running startups, I wish I'd had it, right? I wish I'd had something like, uh, you know, the B Impact Assessment, which just says, oh, you're oh, you're starting a business. Why not think about all of these things? Because they're the building blocks. Uh, yeah, I, absolutely. And if the, if the three of you were starting a business tomorrow, what area would you be exploring? Or what, what are you seeing in your communities that this is this is something that's like, oh, I wish more people working on this space or this is a problem that's going to create loads of fantastic businesses in the future. Jump in. Feel free to jump in, any of you. Mm, I'm in the mental health for young adults area, following closely what the Zinc Academy are doing in a few weeks. Um, so there is a whole program around people coming together to create businesses and supporting mental health and children and young people. I think that's huge area i want to see more improvement in and and does your project your new project institute of belonging does that overlap in that world tell us a little, a little bit about bit. that yeah well the institute of belonging it's all about looking at community but in a lot more deeper way because it's a buzzword now and everybody's trying to do a meaningful community of like-minded people <laughs> and um we're not asking the real questions of how does that work? Who is it for? Um, I'm really afraid of just that being, um, yeah, something that loses its essence because we're losing the understanding of it. Yeah. So I'm really interested in um, sharing some more of the science of connection and belonging so that people can actually create that around them in a more meaningful way. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something that I'm working on. That's the on. Institute of Belonging. You should check it out, Curious Minds. Uh, there's got to be a word for equivalent of greenwashing for community washing. I don't know what it is, uh, but there's got to be a better word than community washing. But I reckon it's a grand practice. And those that do it well rise above them all. Dharma, if you were building something new tomorrow, what would it be? Um, it would definitely be something around disaster risk reduction. Um, disaster risk reduction. Okay. Yeah, definitely in the space of like climate change mitigation. Um, yes. so I'm, I'm Tamil so, and my parents are from Sri Lanka and Sri Lanka is one of the many, many mm. islands that are suffering the cons or bearing the brunt of the climate crisis as well. And but um, similarly, I've, I've heard from founders um, on the African continent, for example, who are trying to build businesses that are deeply rooted in the cultural traditions of the people. Mm -hmm. So someone um, trying to use the old sort of pastoral activities to finding fresh water, for example, and mm -hmm. actually building tech, a tech layer on top of it. And that's hugely, hugely fascinating to me. So if I needed to build something, it would definitely be in the sort of climate change mitigation space as well fantastic and that indigenous wisdom which we're we're finally seeing a light being shone on in some areas even on the streets of glasgow this week 
is actually a really fascinating place to explore in terms of ideas and solutions yeah. um, to some of the, these these huge problems. So if you can connect with people uh, from different parts of the world, especially the, the regions of the world that are uh, suffering, um, then there are opportunities to support and build something exciting. I love that, Dharma. Um, and I wanted to ask a little bit about partnerships. So you have all worked in big, you're part of big, big organizations, have huge impact. Um, so we're little little startups over here. We're like, right? How do I how do I take something that's got a little bit of traction, has a has a strong mission, has has a business case, but I need I want to accelerate fast, scale fast. Um, how do I build partnerships with organisations and brands that are trying to explore the same space? And we see we see this a lot now. But brands are moving for you know the CS, what was CSR over here, and now like as we heard from Holly earlier, uh, you know purpose centre of their business. The CEOs and the CMOs are now driving it. So, what what tactics have you seen that have been really effective from a startup building partnerships with bigger organisations? Feel free to jump in. Um, really doing your homework in terms of what a company is already doing or not going, and where the fit might be. Because sometimes at, at Facebook, I'll get a lot of pitches for things that you can just tell that there wasn't research that had been done before, right. which is great, but also do your homework. Um, and I would say getting involved as much as possible, like going to any public event that's happening, anything where you can meet people face-to-face -face or online, because um, there is something about if you put a name to the project and um, you want to support that person, it makes it easier because often there aren't very clear pathways for bringing in these partnerships. And a lot of the case scenarios is just somebody who will advocate for something they want to see happen. Um, but being out there, I think just makes it easier to have these initial conversations and seeing where the gaps are, what language are people speaking, how are they, how are they talking about this problem that they have? So it just gives you a lot more information that you can then um, use in, yeah, to pitch. Show better. some empathy for the people you're trying to talk to. Yeah, it's an obvious point, but it gets missed, right? Yeah. Any other top tips? There's an um, there's an element of considering the sort of sphere of influence as well with the companies that you aspire to work for or work with. Um, so really trying to, as, as Victoria said, trying to find the right people as well, but also the people who will lobby for you. We've, we've had so many startups that actually managed to get really great contracts and pilots done just by virtue of also finding out who the right people are that they needed to speak to and really lobbying them for an intense period to get their back and um, get their back up as well to to those who make the who ultimately make the decisions, um, and that's that's a lot of hard work, but that's also what you have to put in um, because we're still in a in a society where warm introductions are still working and are still the norm. So um, do your best to it. LinkedIn Sales Navigator, for example. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to work with public institutions, make a few freedom of information requests to find out if they a, have a budget to work with potential partners and who they might have worked with in the past and sort of retrofit in how you might fit into their sort of future plans and engagement strategy as well. I, I love that. And and the great thing about working online sometimes is if you're slightly more introverted or you you don't have that confidence to uh, 
you know, do the kind of virgin approach of like jump on stage and shout about it, um, then you can you can jump into people's communication spaces, and as long as you're interesting and relevant to them, that they you'll get their attention at some point. And as you were speaking, Dharma and Victoria, there are literally dozens of comments and people sharing stuff. So if I'm you watching this tonight and I'm trying to build connections, I'm going on all these LinkedIn's, all these sites, I'm I'm following them on social, I'm dropping them notes, I'm saying, hey, this is cool like in an authentic way but that that's it's acting now right so as well as listen to us do that now um and and then sort of in terms of once you've got the attention of say the person you you want to in the brand or the business that you're really trying to whether it's an investor or whether it's a, a big partner or media media opportunity and they hear pitches all the time you hear pitches all the time. What's what are the pitches or the quick ways of engaging people that really work? Um, because we can all polish our elevator pitch, but it doesn't. It can sometimes come across as like, oh, they're literally reading a script. What are the ways that really have got your attention in the past around businesses that are trying to solve a problem that you've then responded to? That's a really good question. Um, one of the most prominent examples that really stuck to me and ultimately was also a company that we've invested in as part of our current program was someone, a female founder, um, trying to build a carbon emissions, um, sort of looking into removing the greenhouse gas emissions from built environments, which is absolutely fantastic such a cool product but in the middle of a pitch you just spun out a product demo as well which is not something that you usually see in like a short three minute or five minute pitch but it was just so great to be able to sort of get an understanding of how the product looks how it works and um what uh, show the sort of possibilities of what it can actually enable many many construction sites to do um and that was that was a really nifty trick um because usually every investor or everyone you pitch to in a sales meeting will know the sort of typical structure of how a pitch should run but um try to find that one element of surprise that you can sneak in it could also be copy um Give yourself a funky title <laughs> that will stand out to people as well. Find that sort of one element that really sticks out and make, leaves an impression. Fab. Chris and Victoria. Um, humility is always a winner for me. Be, and ask, like, when if you ask how you can help that business and what their what problems they're trying to solve, you're a lot more likely to at least get that information and have an interesting conversation about a sector you're in um, instead of the very, you know, ballsy, <laughs> this is why you need us. It, it, it works less well. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it's so interesting that, isn't it? That line between sort of, you know, confidence and humility, you know, is, is such a, a hard, um, a hard one to tread. And I think it's, um, you know, it, it's kind of knowing your worth, isn't it? You know, it's having that sort of, you know, that, that, that kind of confidence in, in your worth. And I think, I mean, that's something I was going to say when we we're talking about the, um, you know, corporates and working with corporates, um, you know, is, is sort of know your worth there, because I think, um, another one of my jobs i'm not sort of i'm not like 60 but another one of my jobs we're working in um innovation uh consultancy where um doing a lot of work with big corporates who were so they're just so hungry to work with startups because 
big businesses struggle so much with innovation, right? So how do we bring this in? How do we sort of, you know, how do you know, how does that osmosis work of kind of bringing bringing um, bringing the the innovation in through through the startup um, sort of integration? But now there's all of that is still true. But now there's also the purpose layer as well. And it's kind of like you've got these small startups which are built on, you know, mission and purpose. And they're, they're led by amazing founders who kind of really through and through believe in that mission. So, you know, you're the you're the double threat there. You know, you're sort of amazing creators and innovators, but also really kind of authentic and driven leaders. And I think it, it, it's knowing that worth. That's, the, that's a really special kind of combination to bring to a, a big business and to offer to them. So... Yeah, I totally agree with Victoria, like humility, but rooted in kind of just, just confidence of, you know, your worth, what you're doing, and, and the fact that it's meaningful. Fantastic. A uh, couple of questions to, to wrap up this conversation before we go to our breakout rooms. I can see all the conversation going on. I want to get people face to face there. Um, so I would love you to help bust the myth, which is around this idea that when you when you try and build something that's better for the world, it's purposeful, it's having a positive impact, you sacrifice uh, your profit margins or your potential value as a company. Um, can you can you help us bust that myth and also maybe share an example or two as why that that's not the case and definitely won't be the case going forward? Dharma. Um, I'll link to a report which was done by the Upright Project that looked into sort of ESG funds, impact funds, and um, comparing them to sort of public equities indices as well. And it really shows, the data really shows that you can do both. You can blend profit and purpose and be a really sustainable, profitable business as well. Um, we have evidence from the likes of Kapoor Capital from B2B, actually, um, where we see the sort of returns on our investments that we made a decade ago come in. Um, so there's loads and loads of evidence now that actually shows that you can build a really great purpose-driven, profitable business as well. We love a bit of evidence. Thank you. Victoria. For me, there is a huge thing about culture and talent. It It is a non-negotiable and it's becoming more and more non-negotiable to be making actual, you know, impact and purpose. And I think uh, while may, maybe until a few years ago, you couldn't really tell the distinction or it was still okay to believe in it. I think now we're at a point where there is really a cutting point. And um, I think in terms of, team culture and, and team dynamics and businesses of the future, this will be something that um, is tremendously important. So yeah, people, people first. A hundred percent people and trees. And you've just said tremendously and Helen's just dropped down in the link here. I'm the founder of tree mendously uh, wild and outdoor education uh, startup for all ages. So there you go. A good name will stick. Uh, Chris, uh, why is uh, purpose the way f for the future of business in terms just of a, making a profit a sustainable business and profit in <laughs> yeah. a, in 20 seconds yeah um it, yeah i mean it, we've got yeah we've got evidence too um I, I mentioned some research earlier that we we've done um with our community so there's there's really strong evidence here um and, and the evidence all the way through the chain right so you know the 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 that, that evidence i spoke about earlier on comparing b corps to other businesses and showing all of those indicators you've also got evidence of sort of 
whether it's um, you know employees, you know people looking for work, you know, and looking for businesses that are valued values aligned to work with Victoria, as you're saying, all about people, or whether it's like people in their role as as consumers or customers and what they look for in the brands that they buy from, etc. And then again, and then all the way down the chain, investors. You know, the 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 data's out there about you know the 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 incredible flow of of capital towards um you know investments that are aligned with um esg or however you would like to define it so um there's a yeah so all that evidence is there but i think um i would also just sort of ask one thing that we talk about with the better business act is we talk about the we talk about the the actual change to the law that we're proposing which is Mm. And the wording is aligning the interests of shareholders, wider society, and the environment. And that's like that's the change we want to make to the law. When I'm talking about it, though, I also say, actually, again, that's the law just reflecting the world. Because in the world, the interests of shareholders, people, wider society, other people, <laughs> and the environment, the world we all rely on, are aligned those interests have to be aligned because you can't have any of those groups benefit benefiting at the expense of the others so you're you're sort of if you are you know if you're not pursuing purpose in that sense then you're out of balance with ultimately you know the way that we all need to operate if if we're all going to sort of flourish so there is that core fundamental principle that that operating a business in balance with the aligned interests of all of us is just the right thing to do. And a final thing I will say there, a question for anybody thinking about starting a business is how long, how long do you want your business to succeed for? Because one of the key things here is about short-term versus long-term and resilience. And, and I think if you want your business to succeed and to flourish over years and years to come, then this is only going to become more important. Yeah, that's super important, Chris. Um, I'm going to ask you all, in a moment to share uh, an invitation, a call to action, or one or two or three uh, for the audience tonight. Um, But I just want to share a story that you prompted me um, on, which was uh, a couple of years ago, I went to this amazing, it was an AGM, but there were 5,000 people there. And the the brand uh, for who the meeting was, uh, it's called Tony's Chocker Lonely. And they started over a decade ago, a chocolate business to try and end uh, child slavery in the cocoa industry. Uh, which for many people didn't even realize that this was a a huge problem. And they'd been on this mission and they'd got to a point where they're essentially their biggest competitor, the equivalent of Cadbury's in the Netherlands, was had committed to the same standards in their supply chain as Tony's had been demonstrating over the last few years. And so this was a huge moment. And this was up on stage and I was in the audience and the, the sort of chocolate CEO was there with their big competitor who was like, 50 times their size in terms of business and they're like celebrating and shaking hands and like he's like this is the thing this is why we this is our whole purpose our whole mission we're a big step further towards solving this problem in the world and the comp has stood up and said congratulations mr chocolate but surely we have a problem here that that now you've got your biggest competitor has has uh, now the unique selling points that you have as tony's chocolate only then you're finished because they're much bigger than you and he turned around and he said to said to the host, he said, maybe, maybe this is the beginning of the end of Tony's Chocoloni. But if it is, it means that we have made a massive dent in solving this problem in the world. And it, it, completely genuine, 
And in that moment, you knew with all the journalists present that they were going to sell thousands and thousands more bars of chocolate. So for me, it was just such a great thing to witness as like, we're focused on a mission, focused on a solid business model, focused on a mission, focused on a mission, partner with our biggest competitor, and we'll grow our business as a result. And they are flying, as you've probably seen if you've had some Tonys. So there you go. I wanted to throw that in there. But calls to action from our wonderful panel or invitations, Dharma, how, how, what would you like to invite these wonderful entrepreneurs um, to do? Um. I mean, we run, we run the Tech for Good London community, which is now 10,000 members. Um, but there's a whole network of amazing Tech for Good groups from in Manchester, Bath, Bristol, you name it, all running virtual events. So check out all of the amazing Tech for Good networks and join, find people that you can connect with from all walks of life and work on your, work on your products. Fantastic. Thank you, Dharma. Victoria. <laughs> Um, I would say find your people and stick really closely to them because it's a, it's a long journey that requires, um, a lot of long nights and a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, uh, but it's a lot easier and, uh, the impact can be a lot greater if you are acting not alone but as part of a system. Fantastic. And join the Institute of Belonging. And listen to the, what was the podcast? The Long... The Long Time Academy. The Long Time Academy. Fantastic. Chris? Yeah, I would say, um, well, yeah, have a look at the, the, the RB Impact Assessment if you want to dive in and have a play around. Hopefully, it's a useful tool. Um, you don't need to be a B Corp. Um, uh, not every business will be, but um, hopefully we've got some useful tools. Um, so I encourage you to explore those. Um, if you're in the UK, sign up for the Better Business Act um, and, and join our campaign um, to, to get every business um, on, the, on the purpose journey. Um, and, um, and yeah, uh, you know, as Victoria says, you know, there's, I guess there's ups and downs, isn't there? But, um, but the, the main thing is that, that we're all sort of in this together. So yes, it's, it is all about people at the end of the day. It is. And, and so many of you uh, joined us, um, from all outside of the UK tonight. I'm conscious of that. So, um, we've recommended lots of brilliant communities and projects and opportunities here in the UK. Um, my approach is when I'm outside of a country is always to go, okay, does anyone know the equivalent of this in our in this region in this country? Um, are there any finally any shout outs for international projects or organisations in the better business and impact space that people can explore? Uh, I think Sam might have mentioned it in the chat as well, but definitely Zebras Unite. Yes, um, they have over I think four thousand chapters now, which is really amazing. Um, so if you find yourself in Tokyo, if you find yourself in New Zealand, in any other place in the world, there must be a Zebra chapter. Yeah, and Tech for Good Global as well, as you've just mentioned. Thank you. Any other international uh, connections? Uh, just to say that, that B Corp is international. There will be a B Lab um, near you, hopefully, um, everywhere from US to Australia and New Zealand to West Africa, East Africa. So, um, yeah, you should be able to track, track down a B Lab pretty near where you are. Nice. Vic? 
Uh, I mean, creative mornings, just finding great people who would jump on whatever you're doing, test your products, help you find a co-founder, do all the things with you. Great network to be a part of, probably one in a city close by. Yeah, or go to, yeah, exactly, Creative Mornings, go to a SoFar Sounds gig when they're back, go to, what were those morning rays, morning Gloryville, and it's kind of, those are your people. Um, huge thanks, Dharma, Satyanathan, Victoria Stoynova, Chris Turner, uh, Holly Branson earlier. Um, thanks so much for giving your time. I know you're all out on uh, your limits right now, so we really appreciate it. I hope you got some of the good energy back from this community. And um, we're going to go to the breakout room. So for those of you um, that can stay on, this is your chance to connect with each other. With each other, go to sessions, navigate down there. I'll be in one, and uh, the Virgin Startup team will be in the other. And they are brilliant um, on all things funding, business planning, and everything that Virgin Startup can help you with. Thanks, team. Lovely to see you all. Good night. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to a Virgin Startup podcast. Virgin Startup are a not-for-profit organization set up to help founders start up and thrive. Don't be shy. Let us know what you thought by leaving a review whenever you listen to your podcast. And to find more about how we can help you start and scale your business, head over to virginstartup.org. Thanks to our friends at Virgin Money, we're able to make our meetups free to attend, providing thousands of early stage founders with the support they need to start and scale businesses in the UK. Virgin Money are here to disrupt the status quo. They want everyone to have a much happier relationship with money. Through their brilliant colleagues, inspiring spaces and digital solutions, they are doing everything they can to offer a life more virgin. They provide a full range of banking products and services to help founders at every stage of their business journey. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you'll join us next time for more founder stories.